Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Ed Haley. Hi, I'm Brian. And I am Ed. And this is the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. Ed, we have been on a hiatus uh, no, for multiple uh, reasons. Multiple reasons. Life. Just like yeah, it, it, you know, it, it is, and <laughs> I, you know what I'm, I'm I'm thankful for. Uh, you probably hadn't seen this uh, because you don't get on there, and I do. I look at the Podbean, so that's where that's who we distribute our everything out to, and yeah. on there. Um, so we it tells you the numbers and downloads and all that stuff. But it was I want to say it was like four or five days ago. Like we had a massive uptick. Like one day, I think it was over two hundred something downloads and there's that one day it was kind of weird i was like man that's crazy but, <laughs> but it's good that you know they were and, and i looked through so you can see all the episodes that they're listening to and it was it was everything from the very beginning all the way through and it was just oh man of all so, <laughs> so somebody's out there getting checking us out it's pretty cool um so we've been on a hide as you said is life you you went you came to the states and you went back to germany yeah. um, <laughs> uh and I didn't even yeah. get to see you because we were totally on opposite ends of the U.S., which is, you know, was one of those things. Yeah. Uh, but you got to enjoy seeing your family and being around them. And you even told me some funny stories. I don't know if we want to talk about those right now <laughs> on here uh, at a uh, wedding and stuff. But uh, how, how how are things? That's what I want to know. How are things? Mike? Yeah. No, it was good to come back. Uh, it's a little weird. You know, I went to a... Uh, to one of the went and seen the football team uh, ruin Cam Newton's return to Carolina, and uh, it was just weird, man. Because you know here everybody's in these masks, and you know I went to a football stadium, and it was like few and far in between. I was like, all right, whatever, cool, just another barbecue nachos, which is something I miss from the states. And oh, by the way, it was delicious. <laughs> yep, yep. But you know, we got the chance, and it just was weird. It worked out too. The game we went to was also the um, salute to service game. So the go- the Army Golden Knight parachute demonstration team was there. Oh yeah, so I got to see that. Then it was Cam Newton's first game back, and yeah, uh, we spent some yeah. time out at the lake house, and yeah, it, it was a good time. My kids came in, and yeah, uh, got to spend some time with my well, not kids. They they kept getting on me because I kept calling them the kids, and they're like, uh. So I mean they're a little old for kids, I guess. The baby is what? twenty, almost twenty four, but uh. well, you should just then you should just start referring to as my adults came in, you know. Yeah, my adults came in for a visit, and uh, yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> lots of food, that's, lots of cooking. I'm I'm happy you get to go to a game and stuff too. You know, like I mean that's you know, yeah. and, and you even saw you even, it was Washington you got to watch, right? Yeah, it's weird, right? Like I'm there. It's the salute to service. It's my home team. Yeah. Uh, Team name to be announced two 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 yeah two 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 yeah yeah February second um, so yeah which is also have, Tuesday yeah oh yeah it's really weird uh, yeah I have a like so I've seen a lot of different things out there they actually have dwindled the names down to certain ones one of them being the admirals maybe who knows we'll see what happens yeah so so it just it just all worked and I, Charlotte is a very beautiful city I love Charlotte so it, it was is. warm. You know, it was nice to shed the jackets and sweatshirts and be running around in t- t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, I totally get you, man. Yeah, it, we uh, 
Just give you an idea. We, so we drove across Texas, um, and I don't <laughs> recommend anyone to do, ever do that in their life. Um, no. We went from them from the, the furthest west you can get all the way across, man. And it was just like, yeah, put it this way. My kids every once in a while, it wasn't, are we there yet? It was, are we out of Texas yet? That was the comment. I remember we, those days. I yeah. remember when, when we were at Hood, which is in central Texas. It yeah. is literally like to the Arkansas border, man. It's like six hours and some change. Like, yes. It's and you're haul. just still in Texas. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you get out there in the middle of nowhere and there's nothing but oil fields and you're just like, okay. Thank goodness. I'll tell you this. My wife's car, it has this little, it, it has this where it helps you steer. So it, 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 oh, it, the it lane watches. assist. Yeah. So it does that. Um, it does that. And so really you just got to keep your hand on the wheel or it screams at you, but you just put it in cruise and, you know, across, you know, we just, that's what I did. I had it like 80 miles an hour. We just hauling. Just, What's that's the speed, the speed limit? limit. That's the speed limit. <laughs> that I was like, Oh wow. 80. I haven't seen 80 in a long time. So, but yeah, I mean, it was nice to go home though for a little bit. Um, I got a head cold while I was there though, because my body's not, I think my body's not used to the humidity or the moisture. Yeah. So it was, you know, I'm breathing in, uh, you know, pollens and all that stuff. Yeah, well, that's terrible. That's, I yeah. mean, but you probably still had a great time. So it's always good to go home, visit. Yeah, yeah, we had yeah. a great time. We recharge. Uh, we, we brought a we 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 brought home a dog. Uh, we, <laughs> we 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 were not going to get another dog until we get close to my retirement, which you know, yeah. obviously, I that can retire sense. in six years. Um, but then this guy shows up, man. He shows up at my in laws' <laughs> house uh, the day we get there, and he just doesn't leave. And we take him to the vet. He's not chipped. So we're like, hey, we'll bring him home. And funny story is uh, his name. Yeah. So Jimmy, the, Jimmy the Hound. Jimmy the Hound is a, uh, you know, it's it's trademarked now. He's on Instagram. He has his own, his own Instagram page. Uh, so, no. So we're outside and we still hadn't claimed name, had claimed to this dog yet. We, you know, it was just a stray. And he started taking off towards a, a UPS truck. Which it seems like he doesn't like UPS trucks, FedEx trucks, or buses. I, I can tell you that right now. He barks at all of them. Um, so he takes off after it, and my father in law is like, Hey, hey, you, dog, Jimmy, come here. Like, it's just a random name. He just throws at it. And so I once we decide we're gonna keep him, I'm like, we're just gonna name him Jimmy. You know, your dad already named him. Um, and funny thing is, is I'm pretty sure so my wife talks to her parents probably every day. Um it's funny thing is, is now that her dad asks about Jimmy before she, he even asks about me. So there's that. Well, I mean, yeah, that's fair. I mean, I don't see the problem. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm almost certain if his wife would let him keep that dog, he would have kept the dog. He's a he, kept Jimmy. Yes. I know, I have a, I have a strong feeling. So. <laughs> yeah. But it, you know, um, so we've been off, we've been off the air or we haven't released anything for a while. Um, and it's been, it's been kind of nice because we kind of like we we regather because sometimes you got to do that, um, and we've got a lot of different things we've talked about, and we want to look at a lot of lessons learned from past. Yeah, uh, we've 
How many times have we tried to record the George Washington crossing the Delaware one? You know, uh, and it both times it messes up. Like it's more insane. times than he crossed the Delaware. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we've tried to record. We're going to get that one recorded because I think I think that's a good one. Like to know what really took place there and to understand those lessons learned, especially leadership lessons learned. Um, but we're going to hit upon like we're going to hit some revolutionary war stuff. We're going to hit some civil war stuff. World War One, World War Two, Vietnam, Korean War, uh, Desert Shield, Desert Storm. I mean, we're going to come all the way through. We're going to hit different. And I wanted to. I really wanted to hit upon this, Ed, because of one, you, you've got your bachelor's in military history, and now you're pursuing that <laughs> master's degree in oh, military history. I know. <laughs> and I figured. I said. I said to myself, like, let's take. Ed's history degrees, my leadership degrees, and let's just kind of like put them together. I mean, let's speak upon the things that we know uh, and, and you know, just kind of inform people, you know, and, and then it allows us to look at different perspectives, you know. Um, thoughts? No, I think it's, it's an interesting idea because you're looking at these leadership lessons, but you're looking through a lens of culture now right like you're looking at them a little bit differently and there's dangers to that of course yeah um but there's also value added in that because then it helps you take that lesson learned and make it make sense excuse me uh current in in the current you know modern time so that should be interesting it should be fun yeah and and but before we go there though there was something that uh it really in those, if you can see it, those of you watching, you can see a question behind me on the whiteboard here. Uh, this is something that we've been learning here at the academy, uh, and they've. It's like every class you hear about something called mission command, and to understand what this is, I think allowing you and I to get on here and we kind of discuss some of the, all. We just go through the kind of the framework of it, and I know there are listeners that we have dealt with that are young, uh, it, it's okay. You know, uh, that they don't know it. Uh, but I'm, I'm just trying, I want to get to a point where we're able to kind of pass on this knowledge. That's going to help these juniors, uh, down the road. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I just, I wanted to hit this one because I know it's an important thing. Uh, and so this, this particular sub topic uh, they started writing about it years ago, and then it's just kind of transformed over the years. And then we've come out with the most – the Army just came out with the, the newest edition of ADP 6-0 uh, – not 6 yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. I'm sorry. ADP 6-0, oh, here I am, of Mission Command. I looked down yeah. and I'm like, yeah, there it is. Well, what happened was I looked down and I saw FM 100-5 that we were talking about earlier. And I'm like, no, that's not it. It's up here. <laughs> yeah. I got my notes right there, you know. Um, FM 100-5 is important to me. I just want you to know. It is. is. <laughs> it is. Uh, but they just published this 2019. So this is kind of new if you want to look at it in it's published. But it's not new. It's an old concept. That they've right. just kind of refined over the time, Ed. Um, so before we get into the actual meat of this, is there anything you wanted to kind of throw out there about it? Yeah, I think what's interesting, Brian, is looking through the material, and and I start looking through. And I say, oh man, I haven't like I haven't learned about Mission Command since uh, Master Leader Course a few years yeah. ago. But then I start looking at, it and I'm like, oh well, that thing that just makes sense. Oh, that makes mm-hmm. sense. So yeah. when you say this, I mean it's been in a thing forever. 
maybe we just added some titles to it, but the, the actual act, the actions, yes, the principles, they've always been part of military leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and easily, easily I can see where they would cross over into the civilian sector of, uh, of working, which is funny. So I told you at the beginning, one of the things I've started doing as I prepare for my retirement is now I'm starting to really look at these military terms, these doctrinal terms and things that we do and say, okay, well, how can I word that to make sense to, um, you know, somebody who's not in the military because you know, don't necessarily want to say civilian, but, you know, in that sector. But I think that's going to be good because now with us and the podcast, I think it's going to help me learn some of those things that's going to help me prep for mm-hmm. uh, my, my transition. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Let's see what we got. I think you, you, you're getting a chance to take these resources and kind of exploit them. And we're going to yes. talk about ex- we're going to talk about exploiting a little bit uh, in here. Uh, so real quick, I just want to get a quick note about this. We're going to cover what is Mission Command. However, so everyone understands we're not speaking for the army. This is not mm-hmm. something that's uh, that's secret or anything. This is actually you can if you want to look this up, you can look this up. You can Google what Professor is Mission Google. Command. Yeah, you can look up ADP six show, so you can kind of understand where we're coming from. What I did was is I basically took a lot of the meat, like the the basic meat of it, and I put it together so we could kind of discuss certain areas. However, there is a great uh, logic map that can be found in the very front of that very manual of 6-0 uh, that will help people kind of understand the overall framework of it. And it's it makes sense once you understand it. And, and one of the things that got me was is, We've got soldiers that go to, they go to boards, they go to, uh, you know, and, and different things like that. And they don't know what this is because there's no emphasis on it. No one talks about it to them. And that's what I wanted to be. I want to be able to give some people a leg up on this. So uh, I hope it does. Uh, but right off the bat. So our reference here we talked about is ADP 6-0 Mission Command. All right. Right when you open up that book, Ed, there's a quote that comes out of FM 100-5. Operations, but this was a this was a, a manual from 1941, and it makes perfect sense once I read it. Uh, the situations that confront a commander in war are infinite. Ver, ver, I can't even read today. Here we go. The situations that confront a commander in war are of infinite variety. In spite of the most careful planning and anticipation, unexpected obstacles, frictions. And mistakes are common occurrences in battle. A commander must school himself to regard these events as commonplace and not permit them to frustrate him in the accomplishment of his mission. So what we're saying is is there's problems. You're going to run into problems in war. You're going to run into problems in business, right? Because sometimes business can be have a you know the fog of war mentality. And that's what oh, I yeah. want to kind of look at it. That, that what they're talking about is about that fog of war, that unknown that's going to creep into what is known. There's, and we'll we'll hit yeah. upon the unknown and the known a little bit later on. Um, what do you think? What do you think? I mean, when I look at it, Brian, I'm I'm really thinking this 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 quote from FM 100-5 is, I mean, uh, you know, Mike Tyson. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. It's really, if you think about yeah. it, it's it's there. That's that's it. Everybody, uh, the plans are great, but plans when mm-hmm. something happens, when Murphy shows up, and Murphy always shows up, 
then it's how that commander responds to that plan. And that's what I yeah. think this, this quote's really focusing on. So, oh, it is. I mean, it's good. It's excellent. And, and, and what we're going to get to is basically this whole framework is how we create a little bit of order of the chaos. It, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of like a, Hey, if we can stay in these limits, we'll be able to control a little bit. You can't control the chaos. That's impossible. Right. However, if you can have some, you know, some parameters that kind of help steer you along the way and to understand this, to understand this though. So if, if we were to look at the framework, like of what the army does, like we're just speaking for and our side of it, because there's, there's the whole joint piece of it. Right. So Mm -hmm. that, that would be like our, all our sister services. Uh, But we are, we basically conduct what's called unified land operations. Right. And they basically, that's, simultaneously executing offense, defense, stability, and then what's called DISCA or uh, basically defense support of civilian authorities across across multiple domains. So what are domains? Domains being the things like land, air, uh, space, you know, even, in, you know, or even, you know, on water, cyber, cyber, like all these different things. So you're, what you're saying is, is like, you've got all these different things going on at different planes, different domains. Uh, and we have to be able to kind of constrain, not constrain it, but type, have some type of control, but not have control. Right. Uh, cause you got to give control to others. And basically our job is to try to shape the operational environment, and we're going to hit on upon operational environment also. To uh, first, to prevent conflict, prevail in large-scale combat operations, and then consolidate gains as part of unified action. All right. So our our job is we don't want to have to go to war unless we need to, and if we do, then mm-hmm. our job is to dominate. And then once we dominate it, then we're going to consolidate all that we've done to make sure that we're not taking over. All right. Uh, with that, to understand what Mission Command is, Mission Command is basically, it's how we execute that unified land operations. It's it's the framework that allows us to execute it. It's, it's how we get into So basically, it's the Army's approach to command and control. Right? So we're going to talk about command and control, but at the same time, people have to realize uh, we, we, we talk about it before we, we hear Jocko say about decentralized command, and we're going to hit upon some of that too, to understand how mission mm. command works into, or decentralized command works into mission command. Uh, but it's basically that empowers subordinate decision-making and decentralized execution appropriate to the situations. Mission command supports the army's operational concept of unified land operations, and it emphasizes on seizing, retaining, and supporting exploiting the uh, initiative all right so this is basically is how do we have mission how do we have command and control how do we control the battlefield by allowing junior subordinates to basically run their areas to complete the overall mission right exactly we're empowering so how does that how does it what does that look like in the civilian sector though to me what does that look like that looks like you have a CEO and you probably have uh, what's called the C-suite and you have all these different head figureheads, but then you have managers. You, you'll have managers of different sorts, supervisors, stuff like that across the company. That CEO can't, can't be telling every single manager what they need to do every day. Right. That's that decentralized piece. 
where they're saying, okay, well, this is the, this is the, this is what we want. This is what I'd like to see us to go. Go ahead and make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the end state. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So sharing uh, that vision, right? Like we talked about vision, uh, mm -hmm. vision before. So they share that vision. Here's my vision of what the end state is. Mm -hmm. So here we are now. Here's my end state. I need you to figure out what goes between these two pillars. Absolutely. Get us there. Yeah. Okay. And what we're doing is that we're <laughs> going to go into that because there is something that kind of correlates to that vision within the principles of Mission Command. And we're going to hit upon, <clears throat> so Mission Command first is basically decentralized execution through delegation of decision-making uh, authority to subordinates. So I'm a, let's say I'm in charge of X, Y, and Z. X, Y, and Z are my subordinates. All I'm saying is, is I need this done. They make it happen by making the appropriate decisions within the parameters of what I needed done. Um, the areas, there are, there are multiple areas of this mission command. And what you're okay. going to see is, is you have principles, then you have elements of command and control, and then you have what's called the warfighter functions. Associating the final one, the warfighter functions, to the civilian sector, we'll see where that goes. I think I have a, a general concept that would work. However... I really want us to really focus more on the principles and then the elements because I think those are going to associate better. And it allows, it also gives, it gives, you know, listeners an understanding of what we're getting into. Um, so successful mission command is enabled through these principles. And basically the principles are you have competence, mutual trust, shared understanding, commander's intent, mission orders, discipline initiative, and then risk acceptance. Let's start right off the bat with uh, that uh, competence. You want to you want to hit upon what it says about competence, brother? Yeah. So what it says here is commanders and subordinates achieve the level of competence and form assigned task to standard through training, education, assignment experience, and professional development. So think of this as being tactically and technically aware and able to perform needed tasks asked of you. So I think really key here, Brian, tells you exactly how that competence is. Um, how it how it's how it's grown, how that competence comes to be. It's just so training. So you think about it, right? Like even before you're in, in the civilian sector, you're talking, you know, certifications, things like that. There's mm -hmm. training and education, um, and then the job that you have. Don't be just happy in this job. What about applying for that next job that's more challenging, and that helps you to grow and become more competent uh, as, as an individual. So for us as leaders. It's easy to have an easy job in the military and say, this is what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. Let's get out of our comfort zone. That's where we have um, these additional duties, right? Mm -hmm. So it's easy for me to just worry about my specific area. But you know what? I also want to be the equal opportunity leader. I want to be in charge of the program to ensure fair treatment. That's an additional thing, mm -hmm. but it builds my competence level by assuming those, you know, those difficult uh those difficult tasks, especially the ones other people don't want. Uh, and then, and that's all of that, all that together just culminates in your professional development of who you are. That's how yeah. you get that next promotion. That's how, when, you know, you have two candidates who are seemingly on paper, you know, the, the same qualified uh, qualifications, well, what separates them? Well, what separates them is how they've developed themselves professionally yeah. as a leader in the military or a leader in your workplace. 
Absolutely, man. I, I couldn't say any better. It, really, it's like <laughs> I if I looked at you, Ed, and I said, "Hey, man, I need you to go weld. I need you to go, uh, weld up uh, a new frame uh, for this uh, this building." You're gonna look at me and be like, "I don't weld." Well, that's because that's not your, you, you don't have competence in that yet. You know, right? You haven't been trained. You don't understand yeah. it. But if I said instead, "Hey, I need materials ordered and shipped uh, to this location." Well, that's your competence. You understand being a loggy. Mm-hmm. You know what it means. So you understand. So I'm working within those parameters that you've been trained on, right? Uh, so yeah. let's move on then. We'll move on to the next ones, which is mutual trust. And this mm. one is key because some people don't realize, you know, this is hard to build if if there's been some destructive uh, patterns in the past. Uh, yes. So mutual, <clears throat> mutual trust is shared confidence between commanders, subordinates, and partners that they can be relied on and are competent. See, we, we brought competent in it in performing their assigned tasks at the lowest tactical levels, the ability to trust subordinate formations to execute their collective tasks and battle drills is essential. Mm. So what it's saying is, is I trust Ed can accomplish his mission of delivering goods as a loggy. I have that mutual trust. So I'm okay. saying, hey, man, I've got this. I've got this order out there. I need you to fulfill it. I trust that he can do it because I've, and, and I've decided to because I know he can do it. So I think some of the part is, you know, knowing Ed is knowing what some, somebody's competent in, right, to understand it and not to step on toes or anything like that. Mm. Like some people, they may get their feelings hurt, things like that because they're like, Oh, well I could have done it. Well, I, I got, you could have done it, but I want to go to the professional that I know that needs to get this done now. Right. Um, but at the same time, I said, if there's been some damage in the past, well, that could have been through micromanagement. That could have been through, uh, the, uh, the, what they call counterproductive leadership. So I don't know if many people know this, but the, in our in our field of work, they've changed toxic leadership to counterproductive leadership. Now that's the new term. Uh, I still see them as the same, but yeah. If you've had somebody who's a counterproductive leader, which we know of people like that, they can diminish that mutual trust, and then no one wants to do anything. It's just like I'm just going to get by day to day, right? And that's 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 not fun. So no. Uh, Building mutual trust within the organization, that's critical, but you, you want to know what people are competent in to additionally, you know, like basically kind of evolve that mutual trust. All right. What do we got next, man? All right. Well, uh, so this next one, Brian, is shared understanding. The understanding collectively of the operational environment and operations purpose problems and approaches to solving problems. This is accomplished through collabor- collaboration and visualization. Shared understanding both supports and derives from trust, which you just talked about, Brian. It's, just, it's all unfolding. All unfolded. It's all. It's just like like a little trifold, just folding it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really, right here, we've talked about. I don't know how many times we've talked about the importance of collaboration. We talked about when you're counseling a uh, you know subordinate, you know, them being part of that discussion gets excuse me the buy in. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that shared understanding. Because if if I sit down with you, Brian, I say, okay, let's talk, and we talk about what your plan is for the next whatever, uh, to get to the next rank, which you can't do uh, anymore. But if we're going to talk about this thing, right? 
but we're going to talk about it together and we're going to collaborate on it. So then that gives you, you understand what I see as your goals and I understand what you see as your goals. That's the shared understanding. And Mm -hmm. it's just me sharing. So I'm going to share with you. Here's my vision for you moving forward. And you're going to say, well, this is what I see the path moving forward. Mm -hmm. And what Mm -hmm. we're going to do is try to collaborate those two visions together to -hmm. get the shared understanding. It's all it is. I mean, for what I do right now with the international logistics, I have to do this with our allied partners all the time. I say, hey, here's the how I see the support for the operation. And they say, mm-hmm. well, this is what we have available. Uh, and this is what we recommend. Because obviously, I can't just go into the country and say, I'm doing it my way because I'm the big, bad United no. States. What I say is, okay, I understand that, but I need these things too. And they say, well, we can give you that. Then we develop as partners a shared understanding moving forward for logistical yeah. support in whatever X country is. So, yeah, shared understanding as yeah. a principle of mission command. <laughs> you know, and I, what I like about it is, so operational environment. Let's let's go ahead and clear the waters up there real quick. That's basically the the area in which you work. That's. That's yep. all, but that's all the different little entities coming in. So let's say you're somebody who's in sales, right? You're in sales of uh, mattresses, right? You work at a mattress store. So what is your operational environment? Well, not only is it the store itself, it's the customers coming in, looking at things. It's also the, uh, it's your, I wouldn't say enemy, but your rivals out there that are, you know, you, you got another mattress store down the road, yeah. you know, you're them. You've got the online people who are selling direct to home type thing. So it's your operational environment. It's like where it's where you what you're working within, the constraints that are enemies, friendlies, and then just bystanders. And you you gotta kind of see it that way. So if we understand that, we can understand all the other elements. But if you don't understand who your enemy is. You don't know who your friendly is. You don't even know yourself enough to be able to perform. Then you're not going to be able to perform within a shared understanding. Uh, and you know, and that's operations, purpose, problems, and approaches to solving problems. Those are critical. So I have to be able to see what problems are. I have to try to forecast problems that could happen. Right? We're not going to see all of them. But we're going to see some. And then once we see some, we got to start building answers to those for the just in case. Right. Uh, And it could have been it could be I have somebody coming in the door. I'm a mattress salesman. I have somebody coming in the door and they've talked to me. They would like to buy X X mattress, but they also seen this other one online that they feel like they get a better deal. Yeah, exactly. Which is kind of weird. There's there's a store here in town. Uh, My friends went to it. Uh, they bought a purple mattress from the store in town. It was. I, I always thought I. I didn't know they were doing that. Uh, I didn't know they were doing that. It's a. Yeah. It's, not, it's not bootleg, is it? No, no, it's the real deal. Uh, they, get, <laughs> they get. They get the same. Actually, it's the same one I have. Man, it's pretty nice. I'm not. I'm not trying to advertise for purple oh. mattress or anything, but it's a good mattress. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I haven't. I haven't done the drop the eggs on them yet. You know. <laughs> there's, there's the rabbit hole. I yeah, miss the rabbit is. holes. It happens. Yeah. But but if I can understand that that could be a problem, right? I am dealing with a competitor that could possibly out, you know, like outdo me by giving some type of discount. I've got to work through that, right? I got to create some type of shared understanding across my staff, those types of things. All right. We're going to move on. We're going to move on to the next one. It's called commander's intent. However, 
It's what you basically mentioned earlier. It's a vision, right? It's it's visualizing mm-hmm. through to an end state. Uh, and here's what here's what Six uh, Show tells us about Commander's Intent. Commander's Intent is a clear and concise expression of the purpose of the operation. So why we're doing it and the desired military end state, what we want it to turn into. Uh, it provides a focus to the staff and helps subordinate and supporting commanders act to achieve the commander's desired results, otherwise known as his vision, without further orders, even when the operation does not unfold as planned. Like we said, like you said earlier, everyone, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth and <laughs> things going to change, right? And that's exactly what it is. So we're looking at commander's intent is his vision for basically the purpose. I have to know why I'm doing what I'm doing and then where they want me to go. All right. Um, can understand it can be pretty easy or it can be convoluted at the same time. It could be like a really broad statement. Um, but what we want to do is we want to make sure we don't want to over complicate the commander's intent. We want to give, Hey, we want to sell as many mattresses as possible to every customer that comes through the door. Mm-hmm. All right. And it's, th- that's, that may be, that might be the simple commander's intent of whatever. Uh, but we want to make sure that we don't overcomplicate it by adding all kinds of little details into it. I just don't want, I just need to know what, I, why I'm doing it and then what you need me to do. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, brother. No, no, I'm saying, I think that, you know, I was thinking as you were reading, in the first few words, you have the most, one of the most important parts of the commander's intent, that clear and concise. Oh, yeah. I mean, many uh, uh, businesses and organizations have mission statements or they have a vision (laughs) statement. Those things are kind of their commander's intent, right? It's letting the employees know, this is what we're here to do. This is what we're here, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, to accomplish. And, and, And so... In the episode that I have an idea for later, we'll talk more about those type of things. But yeah, definitely, I think commander's intent, you just have to have the understanding. And it's got to be something understood at the lowest level, right? Yes. From the, the, the new hire, whoever the newest person you hired is, whether it's the dishwasher or the janitor or, or schmuggatelli on the cash register, they should all understand what the intent, what our mission is as an organization so mm-hmm. that they can push to achieve that result, that instinct for, for, you know, that we have for our organization. Yeah. And so you're going to get that initial guidance through, through the commander's intent. However, the very next part that you're going to go into, that kind of gives us a little bit more details, right? That's where the details come in. That's where the, the deets. <laughs> yeah. That's where the, that's where the intel, that's where the information comes in. That's where yeah. the, you know, it's, it, it's kind of putting a little more pinpoint on what needs to be done by you in your organization or your organization, but it still doesn't give you the exact checklist, right? And you want to right. cover that very next one? Yeah. Uh, so the next one we got, Brian, is mission orders, and those are directives that emphasize to subordinates the results to be attained, not how they're to achieve them. Mission orders enable subordinates to understand the situation, their commander's mm-hmm. mission and intent, and their own taskings. And so the, these are important because this is the guidance now. Mm-hmm. Here's the intent. Here is, you know, how we're going to, how, how we would like to get there. But then there's still that wiggle room for you to do your, yep. you know, whether, whether your thing is to, you know, uh, 
use the person, you know, ask the person, you know, at these at say a restaurant, ask them their first name and use their first name the whole time. Maybe the maybe the organization doesn't say that is the thing, but our goal is to create a family friendly environment and you decide to do that. Yeah. Well, then now it does become the norm because other people see you doing it. Maybe if you're a waiter or waitress, your tips are up because you're over, you're special, you know, not special, but extra friendly. So those are the type of uh, things that could help you to achieve the overall intent of being a family friendly organization. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we're about to jump into some elements here uh, that really hit upon. So the mission orders. It's giving you kind of like, hey, this is what I need you. I need done from you. Yeah. And now you just take the ball and you run with it. You you can decide in whatever direction you want to go. Uh, speaking of taking the ball and run with it, uh, this was the time I wanted to say, hey, congratulations to your sister who beat me in the championship for fantasy football. I, I didn't hear you. What was that? Yeah, I lost again. This, oh. Yeah. Two years ago, it happened against you. This year, it happened against your sister. Always uh, a bridesmaid, never the bride. I, it, and that's how I felt. Uh, I just want to take a quick interlude here about you know about that. And <laughs> also, though, I did want to say how I beat you two weeks twice in a row. Um, so it's a two to one this year. What trophy was that for? Just to beat you. <clears throat> oh, no trophy. It, okay. it's, 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 I just want to make sure. <laughs> There's called, no, it, but no championship. It's called the Beat Ed Trophy. But I have beat you for a championship. Yeah, whatever. Okay, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, hey, we're going to move on. We're obviously going to move on. Um, no. Uh, so the mission orders give us kind of like that whatever. But what the next two, the next two areas that you and I are going to cover, Ed, to me, those are, those are the critical points about that decentralized command that we've talked about, right? That decentralized command we've heard Jocko talk about. It's that whole, all right, hey. Here you go. Here's the ball. You do what you need to with it, all right, to make sure we get it to the end zone. Uh, the first one is called discipline initiative. This right here, this one, it can wreck an organization or it can make them one of the best, okay? Uh, you know, I, I would say that if we look back in time, Ed, if we want to look at some famous organizations in the Army, and I'm going to, I'm gonna, you know, you're probably going to know where I'm going with this. That use some discipline initiative to really like uh, overcome the enemy. I would say Easy Company. You you can look at the things that they've done in there. Some of the things that were instrumental that created. You know, they had some discipline initiative and they created. They wreaked havoc as they went across uh, Europe. Right. Um, yes, absolutely. I, and, and so I think there's a lot of organizations, especially in that particular conflict. They yeah. fell into that. But yeah, I mean, um, when you talk about these, you're talking about like, you know, PFC's private first class stepping up and, and taking charge of stuff and, mm-hmm. and, and, and making things happen. Um, we were watching, actually, it's funny. <laughs> we just watched 1941 movie Sergeant York with Gary Cooper. It's, it's listed as one of the 10 greatest war movies. And I had never seen it. So we watched it. And literally, his Medal of Honor is because they're pinned down. The machine gun fire is coming, and you know all everybody above him has been killed. He is at the time a corporal, and now he's the highest ranking non commissioned officer on the ground. And he starts low crawling, 
and he starts taking out Germans. And next thing you know, he's in a bunker next to them shooting out of trenches in World War One, and he's in a corner where they can't really reach him, but he's just pot shotting him. He's he's a good wow. old boy from Tennessee, right? Yeah. National area, Cumberland. And he's just bang, bang. And so in his citation, right, this this he took this discipline initiative. He executed, he did he wasn't reckless, he didn't just charge at them. He took no. his time, he thought things through. And he ends up killing 20 and capturing 132 Germans alone. Like he has eight, it's eight dudes total, but mm-hmm. he ends up being the one to like start bringing them out, out of the trenches. So he took that discipline initiative and earns a medal of honor. That's Sergeant Alvin Insane. York. Insane. It's a good movie too. <laughs> well, when I, in, you know, if you think about it, when I do read this definition of this part of it, you probably can relate the words that I'm going to read to his actions and mm. what he did. All right, so a discipline initiative refers to the duty individual subordinates have to exercise initiative within the constraints of the commander's intent to achieve the desired end state. So basically, mm-hmm. this is saying, hey, you're allowed to conduct it between parameter A and parameter B. Stay within those confines and Left just get right to the limit. end. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just need you to get to the end. You figure out how to get there. You know, you call the plays as you need to. Um, and, and that's why I, I, I always like to refer this stuff back to football because that's the way I see it. You, know, you have the field of play, and if you run out of bounds, well, then you're out of bounds, and you can't, you know, obviously you can't keep going on with right. the play. You know, so you got to keep pressing side forward. Sideline to sideline. Yep. <laughs> call your offensive and defensive plays. Uh, you need some stability in there, so you bring in uh, – Additional players. Uh, so, hey, <laughs> let's look here. So, it's important to exercise initiative when the commanders, to the constraints of the commander's intent to achieve the desired end state. Simply put, discipline initiative is when subordinates have the discipline to follow their orders and adhere to the plan until they realize their orders and the plan are no longer suitable for the situation in which they find themselves. So, let's go back to Sergeant York. Yeah. He was on track with the mission orders. Right. But then you said right there, everyone within the chain of command, uh, that he was the highest ranking guy. And then he made the, the conscious decision. I can do this if I do this way. You know, he, yep. he didn't charge straight at him. He kind of snuck around, pop shots. He was probably doing certain things. Uh, but he took that initiative and then he made the mission happen earned a medal of honor and i don't think he did it to earn a medal of honor he did it because he was a man in war who who wanted to you know yes yeah not be on the other end of a rifle or a bullet right i mean pretty much absolutely he he didn't do it for uh for for the glory of it matter of fact funny fact he didn't want he he was alive when the movies made he doesn't want the movie made originally because he feels like he's selling the uniform he he originally he was like no no you can't do that uh, but he does eventually come to it and say, yeah, all right, we'll do the movie. But he was on the set. That's why historically accurate in, in the list of films, it's way up there because he was on the set the entire time, pretty much like making sure really it was accurate. Yeah, it's a pretty good story. I'm going to have to watch. I'm going to have to get it. It's a good I'm movie. It's Gary Cooper. Yeah. It's not bad. It's a yeah, little strange. Yeah. I, it doesn't show that, you know, I mean, for you being from Tennessee. Uh, the English language in this movie is not very good the way they portray people from Tennessee. But I know for a fact after living there, that's not accurate yeah. <laughs> at all. Maybe well, in the 40s, I don't know. Well, Based off of what I know now, it's not. All right. So and technically, I'm not from Tennessee. My wife yeah. is. Uh, kind I, of. 
I've lived most of my life in Tennessee. I'm All from right. Maine. I'm from Maine. Uh, so I'm in New England, you know, up there. I don't know what. You I've know, never seen you chowder yet. <laughs> you never say you never seen I don't eat chowder. I like lobster stew. All right. I don't we don't do chowder. Peter Griffin right. from Maine. Um, I go no, he's from Connecticut. Uh, oh. <laughs> no, we get in the car, we go oh. to the bar, have a beer. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway. So right. so let's so all right, let's let's keep on this role with Sergeant York. We talked yep. about his discipline initiative. But he probably needed to do, use this next principle. Hundred percent. That's why I brought him into up. that. Okay, go yes. ahead, man. Give so the this. next one is risk acceptance, and, and I got a couple of examples. But in ter- in general terms, risk is the exposure of someone or something value to danger, harm, or loss. Because risk is part of every operation that cannot be avoided. Commanders analyze risk in collaboration with subordinates to help determine what level of risk is this and how to mitigate it. But what Mm -hmm. they're also doing is, is the juice worth the squeeze? So with, Mm. with Sergeant York, what happens is, so they've circled around these, they're behind the bunkers. The bunkers are still pinning down the rest of the unit. So if he doesn't make this move, the rest of the unit could all be killed. So now they don't depict this in a movie, and, and I, I don't think it's in the book at all that he thought this. But if you really stop and think about it, okay, at some point he had to be like, well, I have to do this or everybody's going to die. And, yeah. and so he makes that decision that the, my life is worth the risk at this juncture to save the lives of others. Uh, another book that I had to read recently for school is called Crusade by Rick Atkinson, and it is about uh, Desert Storm, Desert Shield. and because of his experiences in Vietnam, General Schwarzkopf was very, very against risk of uh, soldiers' lives. Yeah, uh, he was adamant about not losing soldiers' lives willy nilly because of that, and that's happened throughout history. People who served in World War One during World War Two, they were a little more like, mm, "Let's be cautious." So they, mm-hmm. you know, they. But you got to evaluate it, right? Like, is this risk worth what we're going to get? as the outcome. Uh, yeah. And so that's very important. And within your organization, same thing, you know, uh, you got to take a risk on something. You got to take a chance. What What's the outcome we're looking for? And if yeah. that outcome is what we achieve and this, and assuming this risk gets us there, is it worth it? Is it value added? Is it something that we can accept that? Yeah. You took that risk, but here's the, this, you know, we got to the end state. Yeah. No, you're, you hit the nail on the head with that, man. That's, Understanding risk. Like, yeah. I think I hammer. Yeah, yeah, we do. We should. And if you just start pounding like a board with a no. Uh, no, I mean, like I think about that, Ed, right? I think about me now versus me as a private. I had no idea yeah. of understanding risk, and I took a lot of risk on a lot of things. Um, there is a reason why I put an Ellen TV in a pond in Korea. I mean, because I didn't understand risk, and I was a, I was stupid. Um, but I think if we, it's when we uh, we see a soldier or even somebody working in whatever company, civilian company out there, we see a person. Uh, they're going down that pathway, and they're accepting too much risk. It's turning that into a teachable moment. Right. And mm-hmm. it's not not destroying somebody and trying to ruin their career, ruin their life because they're about to do them. Maybe they didn't understand the. They didn't see it. They didn't they didn't press back 
to see the whole concept of things. They didn't understand like their parameters in the discipline initiative, the mission orders and the commander's intent. Right. They didn't understand. So we have to be able to help people understand that risk. Um, and I, great point, man. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to move on now. Right. So we've hit, we, we've talked about so far unified land operations. We didn't really go deep into it, but that's basically the army's mission within the joint of war. Right. Yeah. We talked about mission command is basically how the army operates with, you know, to achieve our unified land operations mission. And then we looked at, we looked at these principles. These principles are really critical. So you can use these in in almost any type of organization. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But now, what we have to do is, so a lot of people think uh, we got rid of what was called command and control. And we did for a little bit out of doctrine, but we were still doing it. So they put it back yeah. in in 2019. So in 2019, when they they started doing all these updates, they brought it back in and said, hey, we need to have command and control in there. I didn't there. know it was gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we've always operated that way. Yeah. We always have. Like, it's not like it was something that's like, oh, well, we're not going to do that anymore. We're just going to do this other thing. No, it's it, they're, they're one and the same in a sense, right? And so what you have to do is you have to have command and control. Basically, command and control are the, you know, are the fundamentals to all operations and is the exercise of authority and direction by a properly designated commander over assigned and attached forces in the accomplishment of a mission. There are elements of command and control, right? There are four elements of command, and then there are four elements of control. So we have these two different areas. Uh, you have command and you have control. One, so to give you kind of an idea, so you have what's called the art of war and then the science of war. So command really works under the it, that part of it. That is going to be under the, and I'm going to, I hope I don't get this wrong, because if somebody in the class <laughs> listens, they're going to be like, oh, he's totally wrong. Um so you want to have the science of war, and then you want to have the art of war, right? And these two different things, they you, you want more control when you can. And then if you can't control it, then you want to try to have, you know, some command to it. Um, so let's talk about these elements. You have the elements under command, right? So real quick, those elements are authority, responsibility, decision-making, and leadership, Right. Uh, we'll start off right off the bat with the element of authority. Inherent in command is the authority that a military commander lawfully exercises over subordinates, including the authority to assign tasks and the responsibility of their successful completion. All right. So basically it's saying I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. Here is what I need from you. That's it's all it is. It's just. I have the authority to now. I don't have the authority to tell you to do something that's illegal, immoral, and unethical. That is not what that means. It right. just means that I can give you these mission orders. It's my job as the person in charge to give you this mission. Now I need you to complete it. That's all that is. It's it's nothing more than that. Mm-hmm. And it's when people understand authority within an organization, which most organizations people do, right? You know, you have a boss, your boss has a boss and your boss's yeah. boss has a boss. Right. And, and it's just kind of like that trickle effect. So that's, and that's understanding that, uh, let's move on to responsibility though. Ed. All right. So <clears throat> responsibility commanders are legally and ethically responsible for their decisions and for the actions, accomplishments 
and failures of their subordinates. Commanders may mm. delegate authority, but delegation yes. does not absolve commanders of their responsibility. We hear that all the time in the military. Yeah. You can delegate authority. You cannot delegate responsibility. No. So this is where I was thinking immediately when we went to command and control, Brian, starting with your authority. General Eisenhower, Supreme Allied Commander of Forces of the Allied Expeditionary Force for D-Day. At the end of the day, if D-Day fails, it's all fingers back to Eisenhower. Oh, yeah. And he has all these generals and field marshals under him from the British, from the Canadians, right? Mm-hmm. From from 1ID, uh, 1st Infantry Division. So he's still ultimately responsible, but he has these subordinate commanders. And he says, hey, we're going to invade France. We're going into Normandy. Boom, formulate the plan. Here, you know, they get the armadas going and all this other stuff. And then here's your follow on task, you know, for the British, for uh, Field Marshal uh, Montgomery. You're going to take Khan, that's a hub, logistics hub. You have to take that. But he didn't say, now this is how you're going to take it. You're going to do this and then you're going to do that. Right. So he delegated that. But at the end of the day, the failure of it is still goes back to Eisenhower. So, uh, yeah, so responsibility couples with authority. You can delegate your authority. You cannot delegate your responsibility. You know, and some of the things I like to think about with responsibility at is ownership, ownership of it all, right? Mm-hmm. How often How often we talked about where uh, somebody owns the, the bad, like the leader will often want to take ownership of what bad happened, but when something good happens, they they credit it to those who accomplished the task. Accomplished because, it, absolutely. Yeah, because most of the time, as a leader, I'm not the one accomplishing that task. What in the world are you drinking? Strawberry lemonade. Ooh, that looked, I know, I was, I was like, man, that looks delicious. But I keep getting chunks of strawberry, that's why I keep chewing <laughs> <laughs> I saw sure what you were doing. If you're if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It look it looks delicious. Uh, anyway, but so, and that's where you get it. Like you you want to have ownership of the entire thing, but don't do it where you take you also take credit for the good. Just take mm-hmm. the you're going to get credit for the good. It's I'm telling you, it's guaranteed because yeah. as soon as as soon as something good happens, Ed. Often you say, hey, it was not me, it was such and such. That person who who uh, is in charge of you or, or is your boss, they're often going to say, well, you know what? Uh, leadership reflects. Yeah. That, yeah. There's your credit right there. Oh, you're saying I was a good leader? Thank you very much. Right? <laughs> and, that, and that's the thing. It's like sometimes people are so concerned about getting credit. And then if – and here's the other part. They, they won't take responsibility for the bad. They don't, they don't take, you know, oh, uh, it wasn't me. It was such and such. You know, if, if this, this, and this uh, were involved, it's not my fault. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? I can't stand that, man. The like, flag. Take, yeah, take take some uh, ownership of it. All I, right. didn't, I didn't even hear you scoot your uh, soapbox out right there, Brian. I, it, was, it, um, it, was, it was it was sliding on the soap, actually. Oh. Like, there's still soap in it. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's move on. We're going to move on to the next yes, one, the next element, which is decision-making, mm. which that, that can be, be kind of critical. Decision-making refers to selecting a course of action as the one most favorable. Not You see how it didn't say it's the one that fits perfect. It's the most (laughs) – it's going to kind of work. We hope it works, right? To accomplish the mission and includes making adjustments. See, that's that's why it's most favorable because you can make adjustments to plans during the execution of an operation. Decision-making includes knowing whether to decide or not. 
when, then when and what to decide, and finally understanding the consequences. So making a, a good decision at the right moment and then understanding there are consequences to that. Uh, we used to hear it all the time, the third and fourth order effects of my decision. How yeah. is that going to affect my decision? Um, we talked earlier when we were discussing some of your plans for your uh, your final thesis for your master's program. And yeah. you talk about it be the logistics, right? Um, what were the third and fourth order effects of the logisticians not getting fuel for those tanks out on the battlefield? Yeah. You know, if a tank doesn't have fuel, it doesn't move. That's, you know, so the decision making to get to that end state, you know, it, it's finding the means to move fuel in large quantities to yeah. fill a whole division or core, whatever it is that, <laughs> that they need to fuel. Right. So decision making is critical. Oh, I got some right in my eye. Uh, right in there. Right in my eye. <laughs> But you, you, but you get where I'm going with, with decision making. It is, it's about making the it's what's most favorable, not perfect, because you can't be perfect. No. You want to take, but you want to take elements of information. You're not going to know about everything on the bit. But what you do is you take what you do know, and then you hypothesize the things that could happen also off of what you do know, and then you make a educated guess, an educated decision on how hmm. to accomplish. Yeah. So, so the one thing I wanted to add to this, Brian, is, uh, you know, we've talked many times about walk around leadership and, and being a leader of presence, but in decision making. So this is another this goes back again to my, my guy, General George. Uh, this is why Patton guys like Patton and Rommel. And that's why they wanted to be in the front line and MacArthur, because I can't make a decision from 20 miles behind the front lines. But if I see it and I can mm-hmm. witness it and I'm on the spot, I can communicate effectively to my commanders, then I can make a decision to yes. adjust. And that's when we talk in here about being able to adjust, make adjustments. That is the purpose of being a frontline leader. So in your yeah. organization, it's not military. That's also the reason of being a walk around type of leader, because mm-hmm. when those things happen, when those questions arise, it allows you to be at the front, to have a vision and to make a good informed decision. If you're in your office and you never leave your office and your team is out there, you're not going to, you're not going to effectively be able to make decisions mm-hmm. from, from your office. Like you may get lucky here and there, but there's things that are going to happen that you're just not going to be able to decide on or not know. By the time yeah. somebody comes to your office, get you, it might be too late. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. So it's funny you brought it up. You can't make a decision in office. Uh, my, one of my core room instructors, uh, he, he often quotes Patton. He loves Patton as much as you do, I think, sometimes. But he often <laughs> says, you know, no good decision was made from the armchair, the swiveling None. armchair. Yeah. So, that, yeah. <laughs> I, hey, so obviously we, we hit authority, responsibility, and decision-making. But that all those elements – crucially need this next thing that you're going to talk about. Yes, they all are part of leadership, which refers to influencing people by providing purpose, direction, and motivation while operating to accomplish the mission and improve the, and improve the organization. That's one of Brian's favorite things. I, I, mm. I've, I will always associate leaving the organization better than you found it with you. Uh, <laughs> that's not a bad thing. That's a great thing because you should, right? That is leadership. When we're talking about command and control and we're talking about command as part of command and control. Yes. You know, 
as as a task force commander, as a whatever, you want to leave your organization better than you found it. You want mm-hmm. I want to be jealous of how successful my organization is after I leave. Because I want to have a role in that success. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I want to look back and be like, wow, my, you know, my warehouse, my supply support activity, my warehouse won the outstanding supply and um, award mm-hmm. after I left. Well, I mean, I helped set that base and hopefully that is what helped them build and to get to that level. So I want that as a leader, you know, when I lead the yeah. organization. So I think very important to remember that and, and, and still accomplishing my mission and, you know, so leadership all encompassing of these things in command. Yeah. And so it, that, that particular one that you read about leadership, that is the army's definition uh, it is leadership so it always has been <laughs> it has and you know what i've always liked about it is that it's basically a two-part thing mm-hmm. it because you it's the first the first part is about influencing and then the second part is about accomplishing the mission right but that influencing part influencing people but providing so you're providing this you're not doing you're not just saying hey just get the mission done yeah. you're actually providing some purpose you're actually providing direction hey so why are we doing this direction being okay we're going that that way and then you're motivating them right you're motivating you're not demotivating you're not uh you're not discriminating you know all these different things that are counterproductive you're not doing those things we're how are we achieving that mission right and then the second part being accomplish that mission to to accomplish the mission and improve the organization organization. you you have two roles there right that's not it's nothing tough um i I've always, it's funny, you can look, you can, you can look at definitions of leadership, uh, whether it be in civilian, military, whatever. And I, I've looked at multiple ones, uh, through my degree plans. I've always fallen back to the army's definition because it's so simple yet convoluted at times and complex, right? You can. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're going to move on to the element. So we just hit the elements of command under command and control. Now we're going to hit the elements of control. control it. <laughs> How do we control this? All right. So first is direction. Uh, and then it goes direct. So it goes direction, feedback, information, and then communication. All right. So direction commanders provide direction and communicate information, usually in plans and orders that provide subordinate forces, their tasks and instruct them how to cooperate within a broader concept of operations. So I'm giving you direction within this larger frame. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm giving you direction on how to do your little task. I'm just saying, hey, here's the bigger frame of things. This is where we need to go with it. How can we provoke how can I provide direction? Through a commander's intent. So let's back it up. I'm, you're gonna get commander's intent. You're gonna get mission orders, right? You're gonna be allowed to operate with di- discipline initiative and risk acceptance. So I'm just giving you that direction. Now I need you to accomplish the mission. It's that simple. Yeah. Okay. It is simple. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of, sort of, yeah. Yeah. Well, what I'm going to do, Brian, is I'm going to discuss with you feedback. Commanders receive feedback from subordinates and supporting forces that allow commanders to update their visualization and plans. This feedback creates a reciprocal flow of information that leads to a shared understanding uh, among all participants. Shared understanding. I believe a principle somewhere or something. 
Yeah. That's weird, huh? Yeah, it's like the third principal of Mission Command. Um, So, feedback. We've also talked at length about feedback on our show and the importance of it. And I love here that commanders receive feedback from subordinates and supporting forces. Not peers, not seniors. And they may get feedback from them as well. But that's not the focus always because, you know, when you start moving echelons above the boots on the ground guy or gal, right, you start losing a little bit of that touch Mm -hmm. where a subordinate is at the ground level. They're at the impact. They understand a little bit better. And then you get that feedback and it allows. And so as with anything, the feedback allows the commander to make the necessary adjustments to improve the organization, improve their mission, improve their overall performance, whatever it is, improve sales in an organization. Uh, These are many ways that in the elements of control feedback is, is important. Yes. And so I would definitely hit upon them. Let me give you give a few people out there if they ever decide to come to this uh, this, this organization I'm at now to learn um, <laughs> feedback. So feedback is critical. You're going to get feedback all the time. You're going to get feedback from instructors. You're going to get feedback from your peers. Uh, you probably even get feedback like me. I get some from my wife on things. Um, however, look at it at a different point of view. If you go on to an organization to become a sergeant major. Right. So mm-hmm. I want you to think about like if, you, if you're a junior and you're listening to this show, I want you to think about the future. I want you, you're going to think about those two ranks above where you're at or two ranks in advance of where you are. However, part of your job is to be what you just said among the group, the battlefield circulation, getting that feedback, because yep. I'm going to tell you right now. A commander and a sergeant major are not going to always be in the same place at the same time. If they are, they're wasting time. They are mm. wasting their time because then that, that sergeant major can take that feedback that he or she has received from the organization and then present that. Hey, this is what I'm seeing, sir or ma'am. This is what uh, I was talking with X, Y, and Z about. Uh, they're, they're projecting this, this, and this. So that commander is now, or, or let's say CEO, whoever it is, they're now receiving information and oh wait, it's starting to look the same. Okay, so we need to go this direction. It helps them make new decisions, new intent, things like that. Yeah. So you know, you, you talked about your examples for feedback made me think. I remember being a young private and wondering why is the first sergeant always by the chow line in the <laughs> field? You know, when you so go out to the field, and I'm like, he's just there, like nitpicking a uniform, but he's not because he what he was doing or she would be doing is they're having conversations with you while you're in the chow line mm-hmm. and they're finding out the command climate of the, or the climate of the organization. They're finding out what, you know, what's going well. Oh, you know, I'm really tired. Well, when's the last time you slept? They ask these follow-on questions, you know, so they're looking into the health and welfare. There's so many layers to what they were doing. And yeah. all we thought was, Oh, they're making sure you had your face makeup on your camo. Yeah, and and no. it was so much bigger and broader than what we believed as young private. So when you yeah. were saying that, it just clicked in my head like, oh, I'll sell a gun. That's what he was doing. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it is so weird like, now that you look at me like, oh, I got you. Okay, I see what you did. Huh. Yeah. Way to go. Right. Way Good to picture. go, fam. <laughs> hey, so what is feedback? Oh, feedback is information. 
And mm. the next element is called information. Central to providing direction and receiving feedback is information. The amount of information that is available makes managing information and turning it into effective decisions and actions critical to assess success during operations. So we receive information that allows us to make new assumptions, new uh, plans. Uh, you, you may go into a, a course of action and then you realize this course of action isn't going to take us all the way to the end. So you now have to adjust due to new information, receiving that new information. Yeah. So what is part of receiving new information is constant updates, right? Constantly updates. Is it, is it me as some, uh, someone who's in charge of a group of people constantly checking in on them? It could be. Is it them constantly checking me? But what it is not is it's not micromanagement. What it is is, hey, I just I need to know what's going on. All right? Not because I want to make you do it a certain way or make you do this. It's about me understanding. So I know, mm. do we have to shift directions in our comp- to, to reach our accomplishment that we want to? Or are we still good? We still on track? And that's what's important about that. Uh, but to be able to receive information, Ed, you have to be able to do what next? <sighs> Communication. Communication. Oh. Communication is more than mere transmission of information. It's an activity that allows commanders, subordinates, and unified action partners to create shared understanding that supports action. It is a means to exercise control over forces, Communication links information to decisions and decisions to actions. Communication among the parts of a command enable their coordinated action. All right, yeah, communication stops double work. Brian's working on, you know, this. I'm working on the exact same thing, but through communication, we would realize this and we can prevent those duplicated efforts, wasting time, and I could go focus on something else. I mean... We can't say enough about the importance of uh, communication um, because, and, and it has to be at all levels. You know, it says again, this is another one that we've had before uh, shared understanding, right? We talked about that earlier, but it does. It enables that shared understanding of what is the mission, what's going on. And when you get into like a joint thing, that's even more important because yeah. now you have some other barriers involved in the communication that you got to figure out. But yes, shared understanding, once it's developed, uh, super effective and super dangerous for the bad guys. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Right. And communication it's we've, I think, I don't know how many times we've talked about communication. We've had shows up on it, uh, yeah. just directly communication. It's knowing how to receive information in multiple ways. You yeah. know, we look at it right now. Um, if you're, even if you're in a civilian organization, I can face to face talk to you. I can, phone call you. I can send you a text message. I can send you an email. I can do a smoke signal if I knew how to do that. MS Teams. (laughs) Yeah. There's so many ways to communicate. Um, I think, so Ed, I really believe, you know, going through these past two years of a pandemic type situation where the face-to-face communication doesn't work as much because of the restriction. So we had to find different formats and sometimes, and you know, I've seen sometimes that communication is a little convoluted, right? We don't know what somebody means because we can't read their face or whatever, right? And so like, oh, I think they mean this. Mm-hmm. So now we got to ask supporting questions to make sure we're getting the right information. So that's, that's something critical, man. It's, it's always it changing, is. always evolving. Um, so what we did was we've covered 
we've covered like the massive bigger pieces of what uh, mission command is. And I would tell you, if anybody's listening, they want to know more, go check the reference. I talked about it in the beginning. uh, If you want to understand this stuff. However, the last part, this is the warfighter functions. We're going to, and we're going to, I'm going to briefly skim over these because I think these, if I went into detail of these, we'd have another hour and a half show. Okay. Uh, Because there's so much to them. Uh, so finally, mission command is executed through the five warfighting functions. A warfighting function is a group of tasks and systems united by a common purpose that commanders use to accomplish missions and training objectives. Warfighting functions are the physical means that tactical, tactical commanders use to execute operations and accomplish mission, missions assigned to higher level commanders. The purpose of warfighting functions is to provide an intellectual organization for common critical capabilities available to commanders and staffs at all echelons. All right, so there are the five. These fives are, you have movement, movements and maneuver, you have intelligence, fires, sustainment, and the protection. So if those of you out there, uh, if, if you want to understand it, in a sense, basically these are the five areas that there are multiple like branches of uh, areas within uh, within the military. However, these five areas, everything falls under one of these five. And sometimes some of these things can fall under more than one. Right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so let's think movements and maneuvers. That's your boots on the ground. That's your that's your firsthand contact with the enemy. That if if you're in a civilian organization, that is those are. Uh, the individuals getting the stuff done on the ground. They are literally pounding the pavement. They are out there making things happen. They are making the contacts with all the other low, the other echelon, lower echelon people to create business. All right. That's what that is. That's our infantry. And then the other type of combat arms in a sense, right? Then you have intelligence. So intelligence being that's, that's our information receiving, right? That's that's what that is. That's, but that's not just receiving it. That's also seeking it out. That's doing the. Yeah. It's doing your due diligence to research the information to become more intelligent on it, so you can make good decisions. So those are individuals who are seeking out the information. If you're in a company, that could be somebody who's studying your uh, basically your rival. Uh, that could be somebody who's looking at the marketplace in X, Y, and Z to see how they can compete against these other organizations. That's what that is. That's collecting data to allow for good decision making and then passing it out to all the other uh, the other warfighter functions. Then you have fires. <clears throat> so fires is basically indirect, right? That's not just uh, in the army. That's not just the artillery. Fires could be multiple things. It's indirect fire. It's basically, it's not that direct contact that we talked about with movement maneuver. This is the more like, all right, um, let's say I'm doing a, I'm doing advertisements for my company to get more sales in X, Y, and Z, but I don't know the exact market right now. So I need to put out feelers to find my market areas, right? That's putting out, that's like doing that whole, you're just doing a spread offense on advertising. And then you start receiving from intelligence and from Mm -hmm. information from movement maneuver. Oh, this is where we're at, right? That's, that's basically indirect fires to earn back what you need. Right. Uh, but it is it is the things like your artillery. It is like your it, it is like, for instance, uh, if, if I if I'm calling in 
for somebody to, you know, take out a larger area. That's what that is. Um, and we go with sustainment. <laughs> this is you all day long. Ed. You this know it's sustainment. Yeah. yeah. You want to tell us what sustainment means? I mean, sustainment is basically the logistics to support an operation. It can be anything from, we talked about earlier, fuel uh, for tanks, but it could also be the tank itself providing that mm -hmm. tank. Like it could be moving it, um, you know, Fixing for, it. for, yeah, for repairing it or, you know, repairing that aircraft and doing maintenance for six weeks on one aircraft. Um, it can also be, uh, like, so for us in the military, we have what's called transcom. That's who moves equipment from the United States to whatever theater of operation we're going to be in. They're part of that logistics thing. How's that going to happen? What's going to happen at the port? What do we need to support that movement at the port? In your organization, uh, you know, if you're listening to this at work, look down. If you got a pen in your hand, if you got a computer in front of you, that's probably got some kind of logistics. You probably are responsible for it somewhere mm -hmm. along the line. You're probably signed for it. However, that process works. You know, if, if they yeah. provided it to you from work, the printer in the printer or the printer paper in the printer came through a supply chain. Supply chain management is all part of that kind of sustainment. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's how do we keep how do we keep this going, right? Like there's there's the front line, there's the indirect, there's the receiving information, but how do we keep it going? Like we've got to keep it going. Uh, and then the final one is protection. And protection is like, so how do I protect what I have? How do I take care of what I have? How do I not uh, allow the enemy to take away from what I have? I got to protect it. Uh, if you know, if you want to see it as you know, we have some really cool stuff that protected people when you're on uh, Ford observation bases downrange. You know, mm -hmm. you had these different type of weaponry that shoot down incoming artillery type thing. Well, what about on the civilian side? Or what does that look like? Well, let's protect the protections. Is you know. Keeping people, how about this? Legally and ethically, morally correct. You know, that, mm -hmm. that could be your lawyers uh, for your organization, your corporate lawyers that are going to protect that organization from violating something that could hurt the company and then ultimately people lose jobs, right? That's, yep. that's what that is, your protection, right? And you have to look at it that way. If you don't protect your organization, somebody else is looking to take them out or yep. to take it over. So you I mean, have to be. It could be your virus protection on your computer. I mean, cybersecurity, very much Easy. a huge thing, especially nowadays. Yeah. Cybersecurity, uh, poor cybersecurity and protection of your cyber, your network. I mean, it could cripple an organization. So, uh, you know, you're looking at that. If you're working in a store or restaurant, you're talking about loss prevention. You're talking about catching that guy or girl who's who, who's taking food out and taking it home to feed, you know, their friends and, and those things. I mean, I remember working at McDonald's as a kid. Everybody probably got, not everybody, a lot of people got fired from McDonald's for giving a free burger to their friends, but that's still the person who's responsible for stopping that. That's protection. The, the, um, what do they call them in the stores? Like Walmart has them where they're all in civilians and they just walk around and shop all day, but they're there to catch shoplifters. Oh. That's part yeah, of protection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's all protection Absolutely. in organization. Yep, absolutely. So if you're if you're a listener and you're you're somebody who's in the military, hopefully this helps you out. Um, and if you felt like we we didn't get to what you needed to know about, I would just tell you I would reference you back to that reference I talked about in the very beginning. You you know, look into it. We what we want to do is we want to give you the broad brush stroke so that way you at least you have an idea of how everything works, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Put paint the fence or paint, paint the, the fence. House. Okay. Paint the fence. <laughs> Um, 
if you're a civilian organization, maybe this could be something, a way for you to, to uh, build your operating system. Maybe this is some way to look at how you guys, you all are going to go through and, and, and create a better organization, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to end out here with, I, I found four cool quotes, two of them being from Patton himself. Uh, they were... They were actually in the same reference. They were still they were an ADP six uh, dash show. Um, so I'll start off with the very first one, and then I'll let I'll let Ed read his patent ones because <laughs> man. Um, so the first one is by Carl von Clausewitz. Uh, it says war is the realm of uncertainty. Three quarters of the factors on which action in war is based are wrapped in a fog of greater or lesser uncertainty. The commander must work in a medium which his eyes cannot see, which his best deductive power cannot always fathom and with which because of constant changes, he can rarely become familiar. So that's basically telling you, you, you've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable yeah. because you're going to be in that realm. I just, I, uh, I just saw something. Steve Harvey said that he said, if you want to be successful in life, learn to be uncomfortable because that's where you need to operate. If you're working in the, in the comfortable area, you're not going to win because you're not coming out to be able to broaden and expand. You want to hit us now? Yeah. That's, um, so that's also a Joe Rogan thing. Joe Rogan in yeah. the sauna, he doesn't listen to music or anything because he doesn't want to be comfortable. He doesn't want to get too comfortable. So he, he wants to be comfortably uncomfortable uh, to challenge himself. So yeah, it's funny. Uh, all right, let's go to my man, George. Yeah. Never tell people how to do things. Tell them what to do, and they will surprise you with their ingenuity. General George S. Patton. So he's really just saying, like, hey, this is what I want done. Make it happen. Ready? Go. And then they're going to surprise you. Yeah, yeah, you're going to be surprised. And this is true, and I've seen it. I've done it. You give them that, and you're like, oh, man, I'm going to have to clean up this after. Again, risk mitigation. Let's let's Mm. lead a risk. Is it worth it? Is it something that if they do a poor job, I'm going to have a lot of explaining to do? If so, maybe you keep a closer look on it. But really, if you just let them go, I mean, people are amazing. People are amazing, and and they could surprise you with uh, what you get out of them. Exactly. No, you're exactly right. You want, uh, you know, I'm going to give the next one. Uh, I'm going to hit that, that, the Marshal of Soviet Union, uh, Mikhail and Tuchovitsk, Tuchovitsk. So avoid, avoid taking firm control or a tight rein over the battle. Avoid taking control. So we talked about command and control earlier, right? Yeah. That's not complete control. That's just having some type of control and, you know, constraints in certain areas. Uh, these measures are likely to hold back the offensive during a penetration or pursuit and thus damage their chances of success. So we're saying don't constrain it. Allow them to go forward. Obviously, we have to work in the morally, ethically area lawfully. However, allow them to press forward. Just support them with that sustainment we talked about. Support them with the intelligence we talked about. You know, Support them with mm. that. Uh, the indirect fires, right? The, those areas, the protection, but just allow them to push through, you know. Uh, and you can see that in business too. If you allow businesses to just kind of push forward, you may become, you know, that organization could be more successful than what you had dreamed of. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 
Ed, give us that last one by your man, George. <clears throat> Despite the years of thought and oceans of ink which have been devoted to the elucidation of war, its secrets still remain shrouded in mystery. War is an art, and as such, is not susceptible of explanation by fixed formula. Yes. Yet, from the earliest time, there has been an unending effort to subject its complex and emotional structure to dissection, to enunciate rules for its waging, to make tangible its intangibility. I mean, he's just saying it's it's so complex, and you can't just put it in a box. It's not going to be a cookie-cutter solution. And this goes with a lot of things. There's not always a cookie-cutter solution. You got to let it go. You got to work outside the realm of your comfort, outside that which you box you want to put it in because you're putting it in a shoe box, man, but you need like a, a big screen TV box. You're, you're not working <laughs> with it. You know? So and yeah. that's in yes. the most simplest terms. I don't think George Patton had a big screen TV, but uh, <laughs> this is <laughs> what, he's, what he's getting at. Like, and he was that. You couldn't yes. put General Patton in a box. Nobody no. puts baby in the corner. You couldn't put him in a box. You had to let him go. Problem is, sometimes you let him go and he slaps a soldier and you got to put him back in his box. But He's <laughs> <laughs> just it's slapping him, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he did it in a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Twice. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you can... Yeah. Um, um, so... Well, basically, we looked at we looked at Mission Command. We looked at different things. We looked, uh, throughout Mission Command. Uh, we we picked up the principles. We picked up elements of command, elements of control. We looked at the warfighting functions. Uh, if you have a question about one of these things, uh, you're more than you're more than ha- I'm more than happy to take any questions on it. Uh, but Ed, I do have a question for you, friend. Sixteen point three. No, that's not that's not it. That's not it. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, if if there were people out there who want to connect with us and they wanted to kind of uh, maybe pose a question to us, wh- what could you suggest of them? I would suggest to them, Brian, that they check us out on various platforms of social media. One on one influence on Facebook. It's a closed Facebook page, but believe me, they're not hard questions. I even answered them. Answer the questions and you will be admitted and then be interactive. Get involved. You can also check us out on one on one influence on the IG Instagram. You can check us out there and then you can check us out on YouTube where you can rate, review, subscribe, thumbs up. Thumbs, thumbs up, uh, but you definitely give us a review so that we can use those reviews uh, as a means of feedback to improve the show. Oh, so we're trying to institute our own mission command in the show. I got Why you. not? <laughs> Why not? All right. So uh, you just showed your competence and you did some shared understanding there uh, and you gave some commanders intent. Um, so some discipline initiative on their part. That's what we're asking for, huh? Get after it. Get it yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Hey, I'll tell you, uh, it was good times, Ed. Uh, good to catch up with you again. Uh, we'll see where we go with the next one. Uh, we've got a few ideas. Not sure exactly what we're going to dial it into. Most crossing the Delaware. <laughs> Maybe it's crossing the Delaware. Yeah, and we're gonna we'll be able to see uh, how that turns out. Uh, other than that, I have nothing else. Do you, Ed? No, I don't. Um, it's good to be back. It's good to, you know, hopefully uh, everything turns out well. I know on my side it looks pretty good, so we'll see. <laughs> well, I guess we shall see, my friend. With that, and 
I am Brian. And I am Ed. And this has been the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. I should really wear a helmet and do an episode, like a Roman helmet or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Just-